Welcome to another episode of Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ash, and this is a show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your business. In this episode, I talk to Mac, the serial SaaS entrepreneur. Mac delved into SaaS around 2006-07. Despite numerous app ventures that didn't gain traction, he hit his success in 2018 with Castanet, a LinkedIn outreach automation tool, growing it to 61K MRR in only two and a half years as a solo founder before exiting. Now living abroad as a digital nomad with his family, Mac is involved in various projects and he's also helping founders who bootstrap with mindset and strategy and collaboratively creating a guide to families with his wife. So I hope you enjoy the show. Mac, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ash. That was beautifully. That was very articulate and concise and thorough and well said. It's oh, nice. thank you. <laughs> Great stuff. So do, do you have a favorite quote, something that inspires or motivates you, you want to share with us? Uh, I think it changes frequently depending on kind of what I'm thinking about and struggling with. You know, I have a friend, KP, on who's very active on Twitter. And the other day he put up something so simple and it just said, everything is figure outable. Mm. And I don't know if that was him or someone else came. I don't know where it came from, except that I saw his tweet and I was like, it's so simple and beautiful. And it is just sort of uh, encapsulates, encapsulates everything that I sort of uh, love about what I do, which is like solving problems and trying to figure out some new challenge and just to remind myself that everything is figure outable. It helps me just like there you go. Things the up. hustler spirit, right? <laughs> Great stuff. So, so let's talk, let's talk about uh, your story. Where did it begin and how, you know, you came up with this multiple SaaS ideas. What is the strategy you follow to come up with these ideas? And then did you had some sort of like, um, uh, a patch in your life where you were not getting too much of traction and then suddenly you found this you know holy grail of of, of traction where you you got this new sauce in your life which you know helped you out to get into 61 kmrr so how did it work so share, share with us share, share with our listeners yeah well let's see there was kind of a long trajectory up to that but i mean it started in well i'm aging myself here but in the year 2000 is when I graduated college and it was at the end of the dot-com boom. And mm. I got hired at Adobe having very little experience really. Like I just kind of taught myself some computer things. I don't know. I just saw a friend of mine that was building websites and I thought that was cool. And I liked design and I started to get in there and build some things. And, and that was a time of like Macromedia flash, which depending on how old you are, you may or may not remember. But it was just people were making some really cool uh, sort of animated websites and things with interactivity and stuff. And I just thought that was so cool. And so I I gradually taught myself to code so that I could do that. And and then just early 2000 saw like little pieces of, you know, individuals making like really simple things online that were, you know, selling for like $5 or $10. And at the time they were like, here's a PHP script that'll be like a little mp3 player like you buy the script and you install just these little things like that i was like wow this is cool people are just sitting behind their computer 
coding things and started to make money off it. And then, uh, you know, time went on in 2006, 2007, you started to see like Rob Walling and all just like different people, you know, uh, Patio 11, Patrick mm. McKenzie and things like that. Early days of people starting to like get into SaaS, but just all of it, like just figuring out how to make money at all uh, mm. with coding and building things just like out of thin air. I just always like some idea that you can turn in to something uh, online and, and make money. And so I just, I was fascinated by it. And I, so I started doing anything. Like I, I built iPhone games. I built like little stupid iPhone apps that really didn't do anything. It was just like, oh, I'll put an ad on this. It's kind of funny. Mm. So like little utilities online. And then eventually I quit my job that, you know, in 2011, I believe I, quit my Adobe job finally after, I mean, I say finally because there was so, I wanted to do this so badly, but I was in a good situation and it was hard to let it go when I had no uh, other revenue. But I, I spent two years on a SaaS app on my own of just like thinking that I could make it go. I was like, how hard can this be? If I have full time on it, I'll, I'll figure it out. And I didn't, I spent two years on it, just spending a bunch of savings, trying to live, you know, living off of it. And, I had two customers, I believe it was a hundred dollars each and one of them asked for a refund. Mm. And, you know, then we, my wife and I got, we had our first kid coming and I had to go. So I just kind of, I just kept building and kept building and decided to immerse myself in the startup scene to try to learn more about, you know, see how other people were doing it. And I just never stopped uh, mm. building on the side. And I tried to, you know, scratch my own itch with apps. I tried to merge, like build something around my hobbies, which were, you know, like music and playing instruments and cycling and things like that. I just never found any, I could never really put it together. Mm. Uh, so anyway, I tried all these kinds of things. And finally in about, I think it was early 2018, I decided I was like, I'm going to take a whole totally different approach. I'm going to not, care at all what the app is i'm going to go start i mean you hear this a lot now um but it's like start with the problem like start with like go find the people first that have a problem and yeah. so i just decided i'm going to go in with no idea no intention no like intentional direction other than to just like see if i can find a group of people that have a common problem and so i reached out to you know a handful of people you know friends or people that at least acquaintances, people that know, knew who I was. And, and uh, I just, I went with people who either owned a company or ran an agency or were higher up in some company. And so I reached out to them uh, and asked them for coffee. So they're all local people. And, and people said, yeah, people say yes. You know, a lot of people, I, I say that because a lot of people are afraid. They're like, I don't want to bother someone and ask them. To, most people don't mind, especially this is also why you start with friends and, so I had these conversations and it, it I quickly narrowed it down to sales teams because I realized that they have money that they're not afraid to spend. Um, and then it kept going and narrowed it down. And so I just ended up having conversation after conversation and I'd go back and take notes and have more conversations and just kept narrowing it down. And so really um, that was the process that led to my most successful app. And I, think that that process 
was a massive contributor. Like that is the massive differentiator between how I had done it previously and all the things yeah. that went nowhere. Um, I think there's more to it than that now, sort of in hindsight. I think there's just so much luck. I think there's timing. I think there's all these other things, but certainly that is a big um, piece of why that became yeah. successful. So by the time I, you know, it was months of doing these interviews and finally um, I settled on something and spent four weeks coding it. And like, by the time I had anything ready, I had a whole bunch of people that I had talked to that knew what I was doing. And so I had people ready to swipe their cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and this is, this is what a lot of founders don't understand. It's like they come up with an idea and it's, oh my God, this is so freaking beautiful, amazing idea. It's going to make me a billionaire. And then they put hours and hours and months and years into it. And then the product comes out and then crickets. Nobody's coming because there's no problem to solve. And so, so Mac, this is a really good learning. You you have gone through all of this yourself and overcome with all this, you know, founders myths that, okay, if I keep working on the idea, then it's going to work, you know, not realizing that there is a pain. Would you elaborate on the process you took to figure out the problem? Because that's something which could be very crucial to our listeners, because most of them are founders. We, I would like to know more about how did you did that step by step so that it, if, if a founder is listening to our podcast and they're in the same stage, they can take some insights from you. Yeah, so I think there's two pieces. I mean, the main, I think your question is sort of around, I take it as like the types of questions I asked and how I navigated those conversations. Sure. sure. I think even before that, I want to just kind of reiterate like the, um, because I do have a lot of people reaching out that are like, how do I get those conversations? Mm. And so while some of us, I mean, I'm an introvert too, that was kind of a scary thing to me at first. But again, that's why we start with friends that we're not, don't need to be embarrassed or ashamed to reach out to. Um, but then asking for intros after that and, um, and, and, and asking it in just like a friendly, like I, I never felt like I needed to like really offer them anything. I mean, I would buy them coffee, but I think I just want to make it clear. Most people are friendly and if someone doesn't want to do it, they will say so. And that's okay. Um, but mm -hmm. most people are more than willing to give you 30 minutes. And let's be honest, people like to talk about themselves and their problems and their work and their processes and most people are willing to do it. And if, if, and actually, if you find out that most people are saying no, then like look at what industries they're in and say, oh, you know, restaurant industry people are really hard to get a meeting with. That's going to tell me something that that's probably not an industry I want to go after if I can't even get uh, like a few minutes of, of their time. Um, mm. So beyond getting the conversations, it, is actually there's a wonderful book out now called the mom test which was not yeah. out when i did this but like that i would suggest anyone who's in this process should read even honestly i've read like the first 25 or 30 percent and that was enough for me to get like the gist and it made me realize like i know this stuff works because i did a chunk of this um mm -hmm. And I didn't even do it to the full extent of how he describes it. So he describes it beautifully. But much of it is around a lot of people come and say, hey, here's my product. What do you think? Look at this. Take a look. Would you use it? 
it's the wrong way because it's hard to say no to that. It's hard to say no um, to tell someone sitting across the table from you that you don't like their idea or it's not valuable. So mm -hmm. it's asking them, I mean, especially the way I was coming at it with, which was without a product idea, but it's what are, what's your day like? What are your processes like? What software do you use? What's the worst part of your day? What, what part of your day do you dread the most? Mm. What part of, if, you, if there's like one part of your job that you could not have to do, what is it? What, what are like easy things that you have to do that like doesn't, that you shouldn't have to do? Meaning like that you don't need some expertise to do or what kind of things do you have an assistant do or outsource or all these kinds of things that are like, mm. because those are pain. Those are kind of questions that trigger pain, right? Like, Oh, I have to, I have to generate that report again today. Once a month, I hate my report day or whatever, you know? And so, um, those things kind of lead to pains asking it's remembering that the, the conversation needs to be about them, not about you and not about your product, not about your assumptions, not about any of that. Mm. Um, and I also think that there's like a real art into, um, uh, sort of interpreting what people say. Mm. And so this could be anything from like, I mean, first of all, one, like one obvious thing, like people say, oh, you know, it would be cool. Whenever someone says, you know, it'd be cool. I don't really listen to that. I don't want cool. I'm not trying to build cool. Like I'm trying to build value. Right. Mm. So uh, a lot of it's, it's easy to come up with like cool ideas. Things think people would think is cool, but um, just, and also people don't uh, always know, like some, some people you can ask their kind of problems, like what, like, how can I make your processes easier? Mm. They're actually, I would say most people's brains, or at least the people that I talk to, like their brains don't really, uh, they don't know what to do with that. Like a lot of people don't know how they're like, no, my processes are as smooth as they can be. Mm. Uh, and that's all, almost never the case. So I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't have like a step-by-step -step on how to do that other than like the more those conversations you have, the more you can start to figure out like where to dive deeper, even just like, tell me more, tell me more about that, more about that, more about that, get them to talk more because you'll start to mm -hmm. uncover a lot of things that aren't service level. And so it's sort of all to say is like, it's not as simple as like thinking that you can send a three question form to a bunch of people and get yeah. the answers you need. It's really like diving deep and, trying to help them navigate to where the where the pains are so sure sure so so let's come back to this portion later but what i want to know more about is like let's talk more more about castnet because you have proven that you can deliver the value and then that you got acquired so when you had that epiphany did you look into the market where there were other products what was going on and what did you see from your research and talking to your customers that encouraged you to move ahead with the idea of custom so i knew that i mean it became very clear that sales teams there were some other things that happened along the way of generating leads so i got i had i was talking to sales teams i had one guy who was like i'm looking for the leads of this specific type mm -hmm. and i was just like hmm what let me just see if i can get build that. Let me see if I can get those for you. They had very specific criteria. Like 
I want hospitality industry that uh, ha I want I want of this size in these locations, and I want the sort of generic email. It's like info ad or service ad or whatever. And I was like, oh, okay, let me see if I can get those for you. And so mm -hmm. this was a process that I went through to see, like maybe there's a product here. But, but mm -hmm. what happened was I, I went home and in a few hours I realized like, oh, I can actually write scripts to get this. I can do this. It was all the scraping and using APIs and all this crap. And yeah. he, he, he I, we basically very easily made a deal. It was like, I can't, it was like 10,000 leads or something for $5,000. The guy wrote me a check for $5,000 without even thinking about it. So that was just like one of the things along the way that was like sales teams are cool. That was the easiest 5,000 bucks I've ever made. Um, mm. And so, and then going further down, like that told me lead generation is valuable. Mm. And I, mean, I think we can all agree that lead generation is valuable um, now. And I mean, even in 2018, but you know, it's like, yeah, there's money here. These people don't have a problem writing checks. So I knew that. And then I knew lead generation was valuable. Uh, and then I had a guy, uh, you know, it was a long process of kind of narrowing in on it, but he was like, oh, you know, and we were, it was kind of the last stage of like solidifying the idea. And he was like, if you had that right now, I'd swipe, I'd give you my credit card for like 800 bucks a month or something. And I was mm -hmm. just like, you never know that that's actually going to happen until you're swiping the card, but it was enough. Like in everything I knew leading up to that, I was like, all right, let's do this. So yeah. I went and I, and I, and I built it. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I mean, and I spent four weeks on it, which, you know, is no one wants to lose four weeks of work for nothing if that, that, that was the worst case. But like it also it was, wasn't that much time. So, mm. you know, it was just by having enough conversations and enough people kind of agreeing that like this was valuable and that if I could solve this, there was one other tool at the time that I was aware of doing it. And that was it. And so. You know, it's funny because at the time competition scared me. Now I think competition. Now I'm scared if there is no competition. Um, but yeah, so I knew of one, and now there's a ton of them. But uh, yeah, so so that's that's interesting because let's let's take a hypothetical question. Like we, I interview a lot of founders who come up with different SaaS ideas and they're, they're on a different stage. So for example, I was uh, with, uh, with a friend in a bar the other day, he was working on a new idea for construction company, you know, the construction company in UK and, you know, housing problems in old Europe and et cetera. If you are building a SaaS product, you know, by after all this learning in your, on your past, uh, all, all your learning in the high side. Uh, what will, what, what approach you will take in order to come up with a SaaS idea in construction company, for example? Or if you want to take any other space, I don't mind. Uh, would you be able to give some tips? So, if I have an uh, uh, industry in mind, how would I come up with a valuable idea? Yeah. So, for example, you know. When I spoke with him in the bar, he said that he actually started reaching out to people on LinkedIn who work in construction company and started giving them a hundred dollars, hundred pounds of Amazon voucher for their one hour. And sure. he interviewed 20 people who were proper project managers working in big construction companies. And he got lots of insights from those interviews. Yeah. Is this a right approach or do you think it should have been in different direction? I think that's a very valid approach. And I think, uh, I mean, that's essentially what I did. I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. offer vouchers and I, um, 
I started with friends. So, uh, and then took referral, but the same idea, right? And, mm. you know, I think one, you know, what you're doing there, you know, and then, and then it comes down to like asking the right questions. And if you can like, you know, um, but you know, what you're doing is discovering if you can get in front of the market in the first place. Yeah. You're offering them a hundred bucks instead of in the mm. future, you'll be asking them for a hundred bucks or whatever. Um, so there's different, but, but even that is, telling you that, okay, I, first of all, I know where to find these people. They're on LinkedIn. I'm actually surprised construction people are on LinkedIn. <laughs> Depends, yeah. I guess, what they're doing. Um, yeah. um, but a lot of times we think that, oh, I'll figure out the marketing later. Like I hear that all the time. I'll figure that out later. No, no, no. Like start with the hard part. See if you can even get a free conversation. See if you can get an email address. So anyway, I think that is a totally valid approach. There's some mm -hmm. other really fascinating approaches too that I see people doing. Um, you know, Danny Postma was talking, he talks about how he, uh, his approach is like, he, he doesn't like marketing or he doesn't want to do marketing or he likes to rely on SEO as his marketing. He, um, and so he will start with like just doing deep keyword research and finding underserved keywords uh, that he and, and then figuring out like he'll spend days doing keyword research and then figure out a product around that because he knows that he can rank for this keyword and that people are already searching for it. And so that, you know, he's like, if I, you know, I know generally how much traffic I can get if I can rank on the first page for these keywords. And if I charge this much, I can, here's the sense of how, that's a totally valid approach, right? Like, yeah, yeah, um, that's a nice strategy. Yeah. And then there's another guy, Peter Askew, who does a very similar thing, except it's with domains. Like, he finds expired domains that have, they're already like, have good domain authority or that already have a bunch of inbound links. And he'll, he'll then come up with a business around that. So there's all these very different, I mean, or, or just going and building on an existing marketplace where there's going to be, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, a, there are risks with all of this, but like sometimes it's, uh, you know, I mean, with a, with a marketplace, yeah, you'll have to build it up front and lose some time there, but you can potentially not have to do any marketing and just leave it there and see what happens. You don't really have to do much more after that unless it, mm. unless you need to maintain it and support it. So, I mean, I know several people who do that. They just literally just, build things on marketplaces, shove them up and they make a thousand bucks here and there a month off it. So, but yeah, I would say my feeling is that probably the most time consuming approach is what we're talking about with going and having all these conversations. But I would also say it's probably if you do it right, the most um, guaranteed way to hit on something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, a bunch of benefits to this, right? Like having these conversations, you're finding the, you're, you're proving that you can get in front of the market, the audience, you're proving as much as you can that like you found a common pain point among these people. And then by the time you're ready to launch something, you've got a whole bunch of warm leads and people that started off as cold. I, I always think of it as like, you know, if I start off talking to my friends, they're already like sort of warm leads. And then they introduce me to people and those are cold leads. But by the time I've met them and had a call with them, they're kind of warm. So like by the time I have dozens of these conversations and I'm ready to launch something, I've got 50, 100, whoever, however many people to let know right away. 
and start that, yeah. and talk about it, you know? Yeah. So that kind of kills a lot of birds with the one stone right there taking that approach, but it's mm. also for everybody. It takes It's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard process. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's move on to the next one then. So when, so what are the different SaaS products you're working right now and what, 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 what their, who's your ICP and who are you catering to? So one of them is, uh, well, yeah. So I have one that's called Aware. It's a, it's a LinkedIn, it lets you make custom LinkedIn feeds. So if you want to, it's more for just engaging. So it basically just puts the posts of uh, whoever you want to monitor, engage with in one place so you can comment and engage in, in one place. It's kind of the main purpose. And uh, it's used for sales teams who are trying to, just get in front of their ICP, their target audience, or, or anyone growing on LinkedIn. But the LinkedIn feed is very difficult. Like you can't customize it. You And if you want to monitor certain people, that's what that does. It's um, just a, a small slice of kind of my time right now. And I have a co-founder with that. Uh, and honestly, right now, I, I have started a newsletter called the SaaS Bootstrapper a little while ago. And uh, I am just having a lot of fun with that. And that is, it's just sort of, it's a whole new set of challenges, honestly, of like, I mean, it's just capturing an email instead of a credit card even, but it's, you know, having good writing and, and trying to market that and get in front. So I'm, I'm really using that as like, I mean, I'm using it to build an audience and to make friends, but it's also really just like a fascinating marketing challenge, honestly, to be honest. Um, and then beyond that, I am uh, working with a friend of mine who I recently met online in, in Poland. And uh, we're in very early stages, but the the business is called User Spark, and and we're we're we have a bunch of little prototypes we've got so far. But it's it's really around how how to help people sort of validate and create virality around like early sort of help people validate their early stage ideas and, mm. and get the word, you know, spread the word out, uh, like encourage, encourage people to refer, uh, spread the word early on. Um, and then beyond that, like after launch, how to kind of help create virality around that. And so we're, it's so early stage that I can't really define it too much more than that, not only because we're still just sort of exploring it, but, um, you know, I just, a lot of how I, grew my last SaaS app and how I see other people doing well is by like finding product market fit and then getting others. And for Alex Hormozy fans, he's talks about this all the time. Like the best thing you can do is get other people to sell for you. And that doesn't really mean hiring salespeople, but like finding advocates, finding agencies, finding resellers and affiliates and all these things to help uh, spread the word. So working on some stuff around that which is awesome. super fun. So uh, just, you know, just having, having, just making sure that I have a good time every day and doing some things on my own and some things with mm -hmm. other people and just exploring ideas with, with, uh, with people and, and making sure. a lot of new relationships online and seeing what happens. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in learning more about this um, newsletter you started. Is it what kind of value it provides to the subscribers? So, it 
is called the SAS Bootstrapper, and it's really about it's two things. It's it's about my journey that we've been talking about, you know, all the way, all the things that I tried and failed at and up to 61K MRR and then sell, selling and why I sold and all this. But then what I'm doing now and sort of hindsight, things that I learned. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happened with that that I didn't really realize it until later on, right? Like mm -hmm. why, like why that worked or maybe I thought that this was why it worked and I don't. So everything I learned through that and then what I'm trying now, because my whole sort of approach to my businesses now is is different than what it was then. Uh, and so I'm kind of, it's sort of like a behind the scenes into what I did and what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And, you know, I'm working on some stuff now, like really trying to expose that, expose why I'm making the decisions I make every day. Um, so, you know, it's, you know, I try to provide value where I can and, and doing, you know, a lot of, I do a lot of just like free, you know, responding to people's questions, but also some consulting calls. And uh, I just, with the newsletter, I, I have surveys in there and I'm able to see where people are in their journey and where they're stuck. And so much of it, like 80% of it is like not knowing where, these are their words. Like, I don't know where to start. I can't find an idea or I'm building it and I don't know what to do now. Uh, so I'm really just trying to help with that. And so one of the things I'm working on is, is well, I'm calling it a, a course about mindset. And I don't know if that's what it's going to be called. Bootstrapper's mindset is what I'm calling it in my head. But mm -hmm. it's really just like around helping. I think the biggest hurdle with this is like, people start off with these big expectations or they're trying to go really big or they're trying to find one huge idea or they expect results too soon and all this. And it's just, and then you hear stories of like my success story or anyone else's success story. And that's what gets highlighted. And you see all this, you're like, why is everyone else? How are they all succeeding? And what's wrong with me? And I'm trying to help people like understand the reality of all this, which is like, we all, it's a long journey for most of us. And uh, there's almost every success started with a ton of failures. And yeah. so these are all the things I'm trying to just kind of help people with wherever they are. And, uh, indeed, also, indeed. The posts we see about the success stories, they're, they're not overnight. They take like years and years. Some people take more than 10 years to actually reach to, yeah. to the place where they can even draft a post on social media saying, okay, we got that much success, but it's, it's really tough. It's true. But the other thing is like often, you know, what I also think, I mean, for me is like things can change very, very fast. Things can change overnight. Like none of this stuff happens. There's like a lot leading up to it, but like, you know, so my SAS bootstrapper logo like graphic on all my social media is like this dotted line. that's just flat for so long, so long, so long. And it's just, and then, and then finally it, it, it just skyrockets and jumps up. And I think so often, if you look at these MRR charts or people's history, like that's exactly what it looks like. It's just, it took me seven years of nothing or like maybe some little spikes and then all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. And, uh, so not to say that people should expect that, but it's just like, that is often the way it's just like, you just have to grind it out and write 
right when you think you're about to quit is often, I don't know if that's true, but sometimes I think that like, right when you think you're about to quit, it's because you're so close that you're like, I don't know, just keep going. And then things, so things, I mean, I see it all the time is like people on Twitter, especially, I mean, that's where I am most active, but I just see people you know, grinding it out, grinding it out. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh shit. Like, wow, there they go. They just did it. They went from one K MR to 40 K this month. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, yeah. I see that with tweets and, and posts on LinkedIn and I'm like, Oh wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, there's a lot of people hate the, some people hate the MRR screenshots and I, I get it. I do wish people would share more of like kind of what leads up to it. And that's what I try to do. I try to talk. I mean, I have big threads about like all the many years, like it's embarrassing for me to say how many years I was uh, attempting to make money online at all before I actually did. So. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Right. So to, so Mac, throughout your journey and experience, there must have been some valuable lessons learned. If you don't mind sharing, could you reflect on um, your experiences and tell us about one mistake or a setback you encountered along the way that you now consider not not really a regret, but but a lessons learned? And additionally, what advice would you give our listeners uh, based on this experience? I think. Overall, um, uh, there's there's so many things that kind of pop into my mind. Um, I think you know my approach, or like for so many years, was trying. Like, I already touched on it, sort of, is like trying to find one idea. Like, I got to find the idea, and I would spend forever trying to find the idea. And I felt like if I went all in on it. Could make it happen and my strategy now is very different it's trying sort of a bunch of things at, at once or much more rapidly and i i think you know i you know sometimes we uh look down upon the shiny object syndrome and trying to switch from one thing to the next and and part of it i think like we make it really hard on ourselves at times like i, I remember like getting kind of like wondering what was wrong with me that I kept like switch, like giving up on something or moving on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. But I, I really think that that's actually really valuable and important. I think it's the same with reading a book. Like we, I don't think we need to force ourselves to read all the way through some book if we're not enjoying it. Um, you know, I'm not saying that like building an app, like if it's, that it's always going to be fun, but I guess it's, that like sometimes we just have to crank through things and be okay to like move to the next thing. And I, I picture it often now, like a, it's just kind of like driving down the road on like, with like, you know, fully inflated tires on a newly paved road versus like flat tires in an old truck on a big gravelly road. It's like, I, I look back at a lot of the projects that I've made, which is dozens. And I, with most of them, I kind of feel like, you know, if I had stuck with it long enough, I probably would have gotten to the end of the road, but it would have been really bumpy and really brutal and it wouldn't have been fun. And, it, you know, uh, and then there's other times where you, you try something else and all of a sudden you're just like, oh, like, whoa, like that happened really fast. Like that was much easier. There's a lot less friction. So that's what I try to do now. People, you know, 
I think they'll say like hire fast, fire fast too, right? And it's like kind of similar as like finding that balance, but not not feeling bad when like something is really feeling like you're grind and you feel like, oh, here's the reason why I, I, I don't feel like I should pursue this anymore is to like, just take it as a lesson and keep moving on. And, um, you know, some fallacy, what is it? Sunken fallacy of like feeling like, oh, well, I've invested this much time in it. I don't want to give up now. Like that's a really hard thing to let go of if we invest, but it's just not worth. Uh, so I don't know. It's kind of long, long answer to your question of, but I just think um, being able to just keep trying things and, the more you try, the more you notice like some things there's a lot of friction and other things there's less and just mm -hmm. finding the right balance for you. Because for me, I also have this other saying that I think about a lot, which is like I, starting at the beginning of a project, I have like a bunch of hope, right? There's like all this hope, like oh, all the things that it could be. And that hope only lasts so long. I have to turn it into momentum. And that momentum can be some promise of like some big customer or some payments. I'm getting customers, I'm getting signups, I'm getting all these things. And it starts to feel like momentum. And that's what keeps me going. Because mm -hmm. if I don't get any of that, the hope crash dies and I, nah, I don't have it. I have no energy for it anymore. So I have to turn that hope into momentum before the hope goes away. Many so, shoes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's resilience and consistency. That's sure. what your message is. Yeah, sure. great yeah. stuff. Okay, awesome. So we should we should go into our lightning round now. Okay. So I've got six quick fire questions for you. So just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Correct. Right. Okay. Number one. What's one of the best pieces of business advice you have received from someone else? Uh be yourself and trust your gut trust trust your gut because i think we can often um be persuaded see what other people are doing and think that that's the right way and mm. then you just we're you know yeah trust your gut and if you feel like something should be done differently or whatever like probably on differently yep okay what book would you recommend to our audience and why? Well, I, I'm, can I give two? Mm -hmm. So the one that is sort of changing my life right now on sort of a personal level is called The Mind Illuminated, and it's about meditation. It's I've meditated on and off my whole life, but never very consistently and never in a confident way, if that's – or I just – but this book, Mind Illuminated, has just changed the game for me. Um, so I'll, I'll leave that one at that. I highly recommend it if meditation is at all interesting to anybody. And then, uh, well, Alex Hormozzi's books are going to have to be for uh, $100 million leads or yeah, $100 million offers. And then the latest one is $100 million leads. I'm going to give them both because they really, for any part of wherever you are in, in building a product, making offers and uh getting to the core value and uh pricing and just everything like that those books are just jam-packed with uh with value yeah i i have seen some summaries of of uh of 100 million leads i think on youtube but i haven't had a chance to read it so i'm gonna add that into my list 
It's it's uh it doesn't take long and it's I mean all of his content's amazing honestly, YouTube mm. everywhere. Uh, but it's some of the best. Mm. What's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful founder? Uh, the well, the ability to not give up, mm. not quit, because I I think that is the ultimate like that's if there's like one key ingredient i think it's that mm. i think it's being able totally. to just keep going and you can we all feel defeated at times but being able to get back up and try again yeah yeah totally agree okay what's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit <sighs> It's thinking about what is actually going to move the needle that day, mm -hmm. focusing on that. So I do it two ways. I, I mean, I do this. I'm like a big note taker. I've got my notebook here. It's like in, in lists. I have to get everything out of my head. And I do it multiple times a day. And, you know, there's sort of two parts to it. And it, it starts with like at night, like when I go to bed, knowing what I'm doing the next day helps me a lot so that I know when I wake up. My mind can be on it, um, but also just like knowing what will move the needle. And it really helps me push away the things that aren't important or the things that like if I'm procrastinating on something like uh, what's important is what is going to move the needle. If I've got one thing I can do today, hmm. what is that? What is going to change the business? What is going to get me more customers? What is going to get me closer to launch? What is going to get yeah, yeah, totally. And I couldn't agree more because I have got my founder's journal too. There you go. Yeah. yeah, I've That's got okay. like, you know, amazing things in it because every day, I don't know if you can see it, yes, you can bit. actually put your days with time boxing. It's amazing. I'm using it from last many, many years. And um, this was one of the things which my dad taught me and I recently created it and I published on Amazon. So using it oh, that's beautiful that's great yeah. I love yeah. <laughs> okay next question what's a new or a crazy business idea you would love to pursue if you had the time um hmm. i mean one thing i've been looking for and i'm surprised it's not out there and if you know of it maybe tell me um but so i've been um making videos for youtube or TikTok or whatever and you know i it's just me and i don't i don't make the time to edit them very much um but someone sent me you know they were basically trying to sell me their uh their editing services and so they took my video i have a pinned video on twitter and they took that video and they just did some light editing and put little sound effects and little like icons and little graphics here and there um you know just like a lot of TikTok and youtube videos have but I'm still, I can't find like an AI tool that does it. And maybe there is, there's all the AI tools that put captions in that do these things, but in uh, that do like these sort of automatically zoom in and zoom out and pan and all this stuff. But I haven't found one like you would think with, uh, I mean, if we can read the caption or, you know, it knows the caption. So take some key words and then take some sort of stock graphic or image or sound effect and toss those in there. And I would think that AI could, um, generate a pretty cool little edited 
uh, uh, you know, video with some little graphics and sound effects for you. Mm. So nothing too far fetched. That's what I've been looking for that I can't find. I'm like, really? There's like all yeah. these other variations of it. <laughs> but a lot of people actually said that to me because you can edit videos, you can add captions on it, you can do all these things, but there's not a single AI tool where you literally upload your raw video and it reads through the conversation or, or the script and then automatically put this GIFs, this laughing sound or, or this animation, everything. And then the output is your edited video. There's nothing. Right. I think we might be progressing towards it, maybe in near future. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So last question. What's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> I tried. To, uh, I don't know. Um, or maybe you can say what, what's one of the most important passion outside of your work. Yeah, I mean, right now it's revolved. You know, my I'm, I have a wife and two boys, and we're we've been traveling since about a year and a half, and we've been to eleven countries, and my boys are eleven and nine, and just like. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is really something like no one knows about me, but this is, it's really just kind of changed my life and our life and being in, I just, uh, if it were up to me, I would just keep doing it. I think my boys want to go home probably after, after this year, we probably will, but, uh, it's just been like really eye opening to me. I mean, really just to see the world, but also realize like I always thought of myself sort of as a minimalist really. I mean, although we had a, pretty big house and all this stuff, but still like, like we, we're each living out of a bag and we have mm -hmm. been for a year, a year and a half. And like the less stuff I have, the less stuff I want. And it's just funny because I spent so much, so long, like working towards all these things. I was like, Oh, the summer house here. And I, was like, I don't want any of that crap. I just want to be able to like do what I want with my day and enjoy my family and then traveling around. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, not really the answer to your question, but that's that's kind of what like it's just um, uh, just like this sort of freedom way of living that is it's really just been life changing for us that I and I get a lot of people reaching out about that because especially with kids, people sort of dream about it and they don't think it's doable. And uh, it is it is doable. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It okay. Well. You know, uh, my questions are finished, but I would love to have a chat later with you at some point to talk about it because I've always fancied a nomad's <laughs> founder's life. And I'm sure there are multiple people reaching out to you for the same question. Yeah. And then we can talk more about it. But Mac, thank you so much for joining me and sharing your story and packing the last years of building this business and some of the ups and downs. People want to check out or connect with you. What's the website where, where they can connect with you? Yeah, and the easiest, best place is probably my name, macmartin.com, and maybe you can spell it out in the show notes. But uh, also, thisassbootstrapper.co is my newsletter. Uh, and then on social, I'm most active on Twitter, and my handle is sassmakermac. So mm. Mac is a C, M A C. Uh, so those are the best places. And uh, yeah, if you sign up for the newsletter, I, I re reply to anyone that replies back to any newsletter. So 
That's a good but, way to uh, subscribe right now. All right. <laughs> good time. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your inspiring journey and the impactful work you're doing. Um, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Founders Podcast. Thanks, Ash. It's been really fun. Perfect. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Founders Podcast. I hope you found our conversation with Mac insightful and inspiring. You can contact or find him on Twitter or LinkedIn or his website, macmartin.com. If you're a founder or industry expert interested in sharing your story on our podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out. Simply email me at ash at artcircles.com and let's connect for a potential interview opportunity. Stay inspired, stay motivated, and keep building.